0: Yep, sure is. Okay, good. everybody, welcome back to Elevating the Genre. We are your co-hosts, uh, Christopher Morrison and... Dominic, hi. Hey, and we're uh, here to talk about all... It's of not my my those... last
1: name's not Hi, my name's Dominic. <laughs> just, just, just to clarify, I'm not...
0: I, I would like to
1: re... You could be. You, I could be named Dominic Hi. I, I was saying Dominic, comma hi.
0: Yes, I, we could rebrand you as Dominic Hi, and you might have an interesting new, uh, new crowd there. I, I, I might I'm... be
1: a different kind of High later, but...
0: <laughs> okay, anyway sorry moving on moving we, we on. can get we past this dominic wrecked the intro for fuck's sake on episode we, we three here get. um but that's all right fine we're your co-hosts you're here to talk about all things that make smart geeky stuff actually smart um and today we're going to talk about uh something super dear to my heart for sure which is uh the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy but also uh the creator of that douglas adams in general um Uh, But first, we always start with our segment, uh, what we call What's Elevating Our Genre, where we sort of try to turn you guys on to what Dominic and I happen to be sort of into this week. Um, uh, That's certainly cool or whatever, geeking us out in our wonderful geeky world. Um, So what's elevating your genre this week, Dom? Well,
1: um, I have some thoughts on Luke Cage, but I have this Mm. feeling you were going to talk about Luke Cage. If
0: if that's not the case. yeah. I mean, we talked about it a little bit last week, but we we can talk even more now that we've actually seen the fucking thing.
1: (laughs) Right. Well, I haven't seen the whole fucking thing. I haven't seen the whole fucking thing
0: yet. I'm too shy. I'm too shy. I'm on 11 or whatever.
1: Okay. Um, Yeah, I started watching Luke Cage. I've watched about six episodes of it. The main thing I think is interesting from an elevating genre perspective is... How they're sort of battling the 70s legacy of their own character. You've Interesting. noticed this?
0: Interesting. Okay. You know what yeah. I mean? I mean, I don't know. The only thing I can reference that I can think of off the top of my head when you say that is like they are working in the, 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 not the taglines. What do you call those? The um, the catchphrases a little bit. Mm-hmm. Sweet Christmas shows up. Sweet Sister shows up. Um, and they're definitely playing with that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, is that what you mean? What else? Do, what else do you? That is, mean?
1: that is what I mean. I mean, there's there's the sense that, um, I mean, they're trying to be a very you know, forward hmm. thinking modern of African American issues of this time, hmm. and also with also many call-outs to history. But bas- but the funny thing about you know, Luke Cage was born out of a time of uh, black exploitation was sure. a genre. That look yeah. was a genre. It was a culture. Uh, it's, um, the, the chains, the, the, the language they used. Yep. And so, so the great thing about comic book characters again is he was that and now he's this. Right. The TV show has to fuse those things and little things like, I mean, like he throws on the old costume at one point and I think he says something like, this
0: is stupid. This looks ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, I look ridiculous or something. Right.
1: There's, there's a certain like, uh, pushing back against. Yeah. Well, also, co- well, also referencing the right. you know yeah. the old material because you don't and uh, I and I observe this you know on the ground at costume conventions when people do classic Luke Cage and cosplay. Interesting. You know, there's there's a weird area for black men. You know, they they want to do the, the costume, mm-hmm. but they don't want to be asked to pose or say "Sweet Christmas" or Interesting. do something to you know. So their, their dumb just, it down they're, i mean
0: literally dumb it down a little bit like take its take its base like uh i don't know i don't know if it's base but to be like running around and saying sweet christmas but like i don't know i mean that is interesting i mean like the, the it's funny because i feel like black exploitation in general right now is in a bit not necessarily in a resurgence but like i think people certainly really understand its place in film history and like really understand its place in, in cinema history and are like pretty um pretty okay with it. I mean, and most, I think you can squarely lay that at the feet of Quentin Tarantino. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Um, um, And so it's interesting to me. I mean, like I'm not a big cosplayer and I don't, I I haven't been to a con in forever and and a half. So it is really interesting to me to hear that like people seem Reticent to engage with that stuff because I would think like if there's any time right now would be fucking a badass time to like run around yeah. and feel like you were a black exploitation character that, that seems pretty accepted. Right. But maybe again I don't I I no no it's not it's not across yeah. the board. Some yeah. people oh, are okay.
1: going full black exploitation fabulous with it, mm. but uh, for some people it's a point of contention. It's just a case by case thing. Sure. And I was and I think in the case of Luke Cage the show,
0: right?
1: It's I I think they're taking a more, um. I I I thought there would be more of right. the throwback kind of feel ah, to it. Interesting. Okay, got it. I you. thought there would be more of that, and then, I um, but too. I think they're taking a slightly oppositional view to it in. In the name of going forward, and I think yeah. that's really interesting. Uh, but again, I've watched but, only yeah. half of this shit. Right. But it comes, but it comes up for all superheroes who have long histories. You know, right. right old right. Captain America, new Captain America, all the all the different incarnations. So anyway, that's, right.
0: True. I mean, I I would say having watched eleven episodes of thirteen, I don't. I think. And now that you're pointing it out, I think it's a great observation. And I think you're right. The thing where it seems to even out for me a lot is in the music. I mean, the music mm. is. I mean. Except when sure. they're breaking it and like going straight for like '90s Wu Tang or early 20s, 2000s right, right, Wu Tang right. or whatever. I mean, you've got the Delphon. I mean, I don't know if you have reached the Delphonics part of the episode episodes. I mean, they show up for and they settle in for a couple episodes and um, and just in general, like all the incidental okay. music. I think in between, even from episode one on, is is sure. even from the ti- even from because what was funny was I was expecting a little bit. <laughs> I was expecting from the title music. Uh, I'm a big fan of scores and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and I was yeah. expecting a much more heavy sort of baseline wah-wah pedal. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Full on exploitation, Yeah. Like super fly kind of like, you know, some African American male singing in falsetto theme song. And what's funny is they, 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 they did they did that but they did the weird I mean for me and I'm not an expert on black exploitation films by any stretch of the imagination the theme song is almost like a weird incidental piece of music from Superfly like when he's like yeah, literally yeah. kind of walking down the street like you know what I mean yeah. like Yeah yeah it's not like the theme song from Superfly or anything like that so yeah. I don't know yeah. it's it's interesting you're right I think they are like they're definitely in conversation with it I mean that's 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 110% true yeah. um uh, as is the look of like Luke Cage, because I don't know if you've actually bothered to watch episode two when uh, these, uh, for those who maybe haven't, uh, sorry, we do a YouTube, and we obviously do this, uh, we also release this on iTunes and all that stuff, so if you want to check out the YouTube channel, do that. The link will be in the show notes, but uh, Dom <laughs> flashed some uh, amazing action figures, and then we had a Skype problem, and I had to sort of find some stuff to cover to cover. When we were frozen, and so I picked up a bunch of action figure pictures and just sort of covered it. But researching the Luke Cage action figure, it is an interesting costume history with him too, Mm. right? Like, Mm. I mean, the the costume that I was that I'd picked up because I had dropped comics for a while and then picked up the Avengers when Luke Cage, you know, became an Avengers whenever the fuck that was—I don't remember when Brian Michael Bendis was doing stuff. Yeah, yeah, Um, and they just sort of went with like a soft. The soft uh, skull cap, uh, beanie, mm-hmm. black t-shirt, not yeah. a big chain, maybe like one, like a gold, maybe a, a light gold yeah. chain, and just yeah, pants, too, yeah. and like and a little bit, of and a hoodie showed up once in a while, but like the yeah. action figure versions are like the slightly racist version of that like like oh you mean
1: the crazy colorful ones
0: yeah like they've got or he's like, got like big gold chains like and like he's i don't know oh, he yeah. slightly <laughs> disturbing in a lot of the action figures so i try to do avoid those so it's interesting i'm
1: sorry i don't know if that's funny or not it's, I don't it's kind of funny it's
0: a little funny because i mean i think it's because I mean, those
1: action figures okay. they're just like The chains, the boobs, all the pouches.
0: Exactly right. They're they're crazy. So anyway. Every
1: possible impractical appendage that we could have, (laughs) let's put it on the action figure.
0: Yeah. And also I like the idea that for some reason there's a line of Luke Cage action figures where he's holding a bent steel girder. I just thought oh, that yeah. was a weird little thing to put in his hand. But anyway, oh, um, totally. yeah. if you're... Um, doing so, that all the time. <laughs> I definitely agree that there's a there's a huge conversation going on inside the show itself with the history of the character. Mm-hmm. And it is, yeah, I'm not... It'll it'll be interesting to feel like at the end of the series if they come down on sort of one side or another. I can tell you the the catchphrases go all the way through so far. I mean, they, at least they're not doing them like true catchphrase. They don't show up every single show. And an right, right. incredibly yeah. minor spoiler for Luke Cage. What you talking about Willis shows up as well in the mouth of a character. Um, Much of
1: the, the, the delight, I'm <clears throat> delighted to be spoiled on that. On that one. No, I have something to really look forward really to. Really look
0: forward to. Check it out and and, and it, see which character drops it, which is also interesting. Um, so they, they know it. Obviously, they. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. Chio, what's his bucket, uh, knows exactly what he's doing. Sorry, I don't know his full name. Um, uh, so, yeah, no, that's an interesting conversation. Cool. Um, okay, uh, yeah, I guess we're talking about sort of, uh, my side of elevating the genre is also a bit of a sort of a social angle as well. I just, um, finished reading, um, Sherry S. Tepper's Gate to Women's Country, um, which is a, oh God, I don't want to say 89, hold on, checking, bad, bad host, didn't do, and don't have my glasses for the tiny text, 89, 89, 99, 79, 88, 88, 89, uh, (laughs) novel. Uh, if you don't know who Sherry S. Tepper is, she's kind of renowned for being a feminist science fiction author, particularly in the 80s and the 90s um, uh, of that bent. Um, and what I didn't know, what I'm starting to learn is that, that was, there was a big trend in sort of second wave feminism for um, science feminist science fiction authors, and she was sort of in the middle of all that, which is cool. Mm-hmm. And I am currently trying to read more female science fiction authors in general, um, just because it's a big hole in my... Um, in my geekdom. Um, and I'd like Sherry S. Tepper. I'd read grass years and years ago where I just randomly picked it up. Um, for whatever reason, uh, I adore her writing in terms of like, it's, uh, at the time it was just like, Oh my God, what a wonderful writer. Um, missing all of the cultural (laughs) overtones completely for whatever reason, uh, white guy probably. Um, and, um, but this time I sort of picked it up knowing who she was. And uh, and this book is like you'd have to be dead to miss the implications as it's sort of a uh, – some people call it a feminine utopia book, which I disagree with entirely. It's uh, it's She's very uh, even-handed about what happens. But there is a split society. There's um, a warlike race of uh, – sorry. Uh, well, There's clearly some version of like a nuclear war has happened. Uh, the book takes place and sort of generically somewhere between – the Northwestern Rainforest and Utah. Um, And there's a... uh, Yeah, she doesn't pin it down or whatever. Uh, And it's like 300 years later, and there's a society that's developed where they keep all the men outside the cities, um, which in this weird sort of standing army thing, and all the women live inside the city called Women's Country. And the women give all the male children to to the army regardless at age five. And then by age 15 each male child gets a choice whether they want to return to women's country or not um, uh, and give up arms, basically. Um, And uh, while that sort of on its surface seems really, really kind of overly simplistic, the way she spins the yarn is deeply uh, concerned with uh, just relationships and what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman, gender roles Mm. in society as a whole, and because it takes place sort of in post-apocalyptic whatever lands and the women have held on to the technology and the men have they only allow the men up to like bronze age tech um because they quote-unquote choose to be warriors uh it's it she's very even-handed on like nobody's kind of right and then there's a big twist at the end that i won't spoil for people but uh the women have a rather large secret that they're they're holding back um about why the society is structured exactly the way it's structured um Anyway, badass. Wait, really...
1: can I ask a clarification question? Please, based um, on how you explain it. Yeah. What are the What are they arming against the other towns? In the circle around.
0: That's it. Huh? So other towns. Um. So other, other cities. They've okay. They've agreed on to have this societies <clears throat> where there are walled towns all over. the Sort of, like I said, sort of spread between um, the Bay the Bay Area up to Seattle and over to over to Utah. Mm-hmm. Um. And this is the society they've agreed to have. Then basically. They will occasionally have wars with another town, um, but that have the exact same societal structure um, oh. in order to sort of like allow the warlike nature of uh, the human, but obviously embodied in the men because there are no women warriors in this culture, um, to sort of play out. Um, it's interesting. Um, yes. It is fascinating, uh, and it's a good read. I like it. It's also fairly quick uh, for the. And again, I think Tepper tells a mean story, and much, much more importantly, she's uh, she creates a hell of a good character. She, she's great at characterization. It also buzzed my buttons because um, there's a she does her own weird retelling of um, the Trojan Women in the middle of the mm. book um, as a, as a sort of a, a structural bracket that runs through the book um, mm. because the book is actually is actually technically told in flashback. But we always flash forward to um, the women always put up this version of, they don't call it the Trojan women in the book. They call it Iphigenia to Alice. But um, uh, And it's a pretty cool, it's an interesting interpretation of the Trojan women as well. If you are big theater geeks like Dom and I are, that also may be of interest to you. Anyway, The Gate to Women's Country, Sherry S. Tepper, um, and sort of, Feminist science fiction writing in the 80s and the 90s in general is a cool place where I'm going to live for a little while, I think. Um, delightful. Yes. So that's what's elevating our genre. Awesome. Some Luke Cage. Some Sherry S. Tepper. And now we're going to dive into some freaking Douglas Adams uh, uh, and Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, I think, in specific. And of course, I think most geeks know, if you don't know uh, or you haven't interacted, somehow you've, if you call yourself a geek and you somehow haven't interacted with this i'm afraid i'm gonna to have to use this sh- douchey term this ip because really it's an intellectual property right like it's it's a book but it's so much fucking more um and not in the sort of shitty like world building crappy way that like avatar is um <laughs> or is going to we try can agree
1: to say ip if it's more if we're not so we're not just saying thing Thank you. you know, I, I, I get that. <laughs> yeah. IP, yes. It's a hell yeah. of an IP. It's
0: a hell of an IP, and it spans uh, decades and and media, again, before, really before almost anything else really did in a, in a sort of, even a, uh, another douchey sort of term that some people don't like, the transmedia kind of way. Um, again, <laughs> not that it was ever intended to be any of this, um, but it, it sort of turned out to that way. Anywho, so uh, real quick, if you haven't interacted with it, Hitchhiker's Out of the Galaxy, written by a, a British dude named Douglas Adams, who actually has his history in comedy, in live comedy, even worked with the Pythons early on, was a script editor on Doctor Who for uh, a, a season um, under when Tom Baker was the Doctor as well. <laughs> Uh, starts out as a BBC radio drama, um, which is maybe super foreign to our American listeners or whatevers uh, or watchers or whatever, our audience. Yeah, BBC was still doing radio dramas back in the 70s and the 60s and the 80s. It never went away in England. And then it became a book and that's where it became a, a breakout sort of bestseller, although the radio drama did incredibly well for the BBC as well. Um, anywho, and then movies and all this other shit, time and stuff. Okay. So that's sort of the overall IP thing. Um, I'm curious, Dom. How did you first encounter this IP? How did you encounter first encounter? Oh this
1: IP? well, I remember it very specifically. Uh, losing the Hitchhiker's Guide virginity was uh, <laughs> the the BBC TV version uh, was playing on PBS at some point.
0: <laughs> that was really that was the first one. Um, then nice. That's yeah,
1: it was. I think it was at some point. Yeah, like PBS used to show. I'm not. I'm not even sure it's PBS. It was one of these channels that used to show a lot of Monty Python reruns.
0: Probably PBS has to be right. Okay.
1: I mean, All right. So yeah. they and so they occasionally threw these other British comedy shows that you'd also right. never heard of, but you're <laughs> in it for the Monty Python. You're like, so I watched the Monty Python, um, and then this other show came on. And It's like, what the shit is this? It starts. Yeah. It's like a science fiction show, but it sort of looks like Monty Python. I mean, this is, you know, I'm young. I'm not yeah, sure. processing everything. And then I realized it was just going to be the greatest show ever. So I had to backtrack from that show and figure out, oh, my God, it's a book, too? Oh, my God, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I like books, too. Nice. I can get more the book version of this. Um, mm. And, yeah, so I went from BBC t- original TV show to books mm. to learning the whole deep dive in the whole thing with radio Mm. and learning about the histories and reading all the books and then following you know how it it all became an empire
0: right (laughs) (laughs) um i i'm an asshole i should i asked that question i'm not sure i know exactly what i interacted with first but i'm trying to remember how the hell it even got into my orbit i think god i must have been in i still in grade school or junior high when the book landed in my lap. And by that time I was a mm. full on geek because I was fucking D and mm. D by the time I was eight. And when we moved to the East coast, cause I was born in Tennessee, we'd found like a gaming group and everything else. So we were gaming and like all of those people. So it was, must've been talked about a lot. So I must've just picked it up because somebody had talked about it or whatever. But I do distinctly remember finishing the, the, at the time, what was the final Book of the f- trilogy, the fourth book, uh, Mostly Harmless. No, it wasn't Mostly Harmless. That's right, Mostly Harmless. Had so no long money. and thanks
1: for all the fishes. So fourth. long and thanks for, the, for Most all the Mostly Harmless is fifth.
0: Fifth. Thank you. <laughs> I fifth. believe. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. So long and thanks for all the fifth. And getting up and walking, I had a wall, I had a Garfield wall calendar in my room. Uh, thank you very much. 12 month wall calendar and writing down the date mm. that, and I wrote on the calendar the day I finished the best the best book series of my life or something. Really? I, like, yeah, Aww, totally. That's I wonder if freaking I still, awesome. I wonder if I still have that somewhere. Um, wow. And I just remember weeping, spoilers for fucking the end of whatever, um, Martin, uh, uh, Marvin, it's Martin, Jesus, it Marvin. Marvin's last moment in, in So Long and Thanks for All the Fish is just heartbreaking and wonderful. Um, yeah, a message, a, message really wonderful God, <laughs> a message from God apologizing to the android Come on. The message from the universe, not God, a message from the universe apologizing to this android who has literally lived, uh, what is it, three times the amount of the universe itself uh, Mm -hmm. by the end, um, which is just awesome. Oh, we got tangled problems. Wonderful Um, moment. Yeah, wonderful moment. And just like, just being devastated and funny. Uh, Anyway, so uh, yeah, no, I encountered it as a book. And then uh, as I found theater and sort of readers' theater, uh, I think that's how I encountered the radio series originally was like, Got a hold of the book of the the radio scripts, to mm-hmm. um to like do in some readers theater bullshit competition thing or whatever, um and then sought out the radio, radio drama itself, which I still think to this day is one of the funniest fucking things in the in the world. Um, it's just so bloody brilliant.
1: Um the- Wait, I assume you mean the book. Hitchhiker's Guide was the first book you yes yeah, to your lap. Yeah, yeah, okay. the, the book. Yeah. And then I read
0: the because I was yeah, I was a series maniac. Like I was a, a massive completionist back then. Like if I started oh, okay. something I had to start at the beginning and I right, had right. to read it in order. Like I right. would if I would if I found and this was back in the day with no Amazon or whatever, if I had found and I didn't have you know, I was a kid, so I didn't have a lot of money. So if I found like the fourth book in a, in a series that I was like, Oh, this looks good <clears> I'd buy the fourth book, but I would never I wouldn't touch it for years until I bought book one, two and three. Right, right. <laughs> right, or whatever cool. so yeah cool. no once i got hitchhikers i had to go through it in order um for sure
1: completionism just completionist sign of a good geek
0: <laughs> it's, or a, good, it's a certain uh, early type of early
1: geek. skilled yeah, early, uh, early skilled
0: i've since become less less of that kind of geek okay. um, just yeah. because uh, i think i had to once you discover comic books and especially comic books and oh yeah world yeah world. A, yeah they, because man it's like, a it you just can't, like it was you like can't. oh this is a this is a medium that never has a third act, so it's just never going right. to end. Right. So fuck this shit. I have to stop at some yeah. point. Um, and
1: then they're turning it against you by making you. Oh well, you wanted to buy these sixty-seven issues, so we'll just make them anyway. And that's,
0: yeah, it's actually that's true. It's like,
1: Needing slight, divergence.
0: slight <laughs> divergence but again I will reference people back to our episode one where we talk a little bit about right. this yes where my that was definitely my issue with Marvel comics and that's why that's one of the reasons I definitely, right, 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 this is this what broke me was like Marvel overusing Wolverine and trying to make me buy every comic book that he was in because um, yeah. I was down were, for doing that uh, and right. then it just became impossible so fuck okay. it right. anyway back to Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and Douglas Adams
1: so um, um, I was going to mention I think a lot of people came to it out of, you said gaming. A lot of people came out of the old text-based video game. The fucking Infocom game. Infocom, yes, right?
0: Yeah. I think man. a
1: lot of people came to it that way. Which I don't know how far you got in it. I didn't get past like fifteen percent of the game because it was maddeningly hard. <laughs> I don't know if anyone remembers how these games work. They were text-based Please. question and answer forms uh, games, and you had to do you had to perform actions and. Um, the ones in hitchhikers guide the game were ridiculously convoluted insane dataist <laughs> things you had to do to get to the to unlock the next achievement in the current perlance yes. but um parlance but um you you were this right like oh yeah the no fish impossible it
0: was it was i can't remember how i I actually finished the game but i was not a good gamer well good for you i'm pretty (laughs) uh, um i must have cheated somehow um because i mean i could even i i spent so much time on it i think i can remember how to get the babel fish you have to put your okay ready ready (laughs) motherfuckers so you're on the Vogon spaceship. I'm not even resetting this for you people. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, everybody go get a coffee or like suck on a lollipop. No con- context
1: doesn't help. That's doesn't the point. In this think. game context doesn't help. You're on the Vogon
0: help. spaceship. You're playing First of All, You're Playing Arthur Dent. That's all I'm telling you. Okay, so you're playing Arthur Dent. You're it. In- you have a bathrobe, Uh your friend Ford Prefect has a bag uh and you've got some shit in your pockets. That's all I'm telling you. To get the Babel fish, you have to take Arthur Dent's bag, put it on the vent that's on the ground. Put, you have in your pockets uh junk mail, put the junk mail on the bag on top of the vent, uh, then uh go over and push the button for the babelfish. Because why? Because the babel fish shoots out, it doesn't just like land in the slot like it does nicely in the BBC uh TV show. It shoots out of the um it shoots out of the uh the dispenser in the air, which then triggers the Vogon cleaning system, which sends yeah. an air cleaning robot. Who will snatch it out of the air? Um, uh, but you have to have your robe ready. You have one turn. You have one like beat. Like the way these games, some of these games worked, was like you had one beat to react. So you, the way the beats worked is you had a command prompt, and whatever you put in the command right. prompt was right. a beat, right? right? So in the command prompt, you had to take off your bathrobe and throw it over <laughs> the fucking flying robot. Okay. So when you did that, the flying. Wait, am I getting this backwards? Okay, I'm pretty sure. The flying robot then... (laughs) This is epic. Yeah, no, exactly. The flying robot somehow falls into the bag, sending all the junk mail up into the air, right? And dislodging the bag, the vent then releases a jet of air, sending all of the the, uh, junk mail up into the air, where the other cleaning robot goes out and grabs all the junk mail out of the air and accidentally knocks it into your ear while trying to clean up all the junk mail and hits the Babelfish, I think, into your ear. Something like that. Something like that. Ridiculousness. It was fucking ridiculous. I, ha- I must right. have cheated somehow, or somebody must have told me or something.
1: So do you kids today, if you think, like, killing the right amount of zombies in Call of Duty is hard, fucking don't even know how hard it was to get the Babelfish in the text Infocom Hitchhiker's Guide Game. Because yeah. the other half had that experience, when you just explained the, the walkthrough... The other half of the experience is you don't know, and the Babelfish fish slides out every fucking time. fucking time, right? Seventy times in a row—that's all it does. <laughs> it's
0: all it does, man. And, it's and all text. you're
1: stuck there, and it's like the seventy-fifth time, and it's slid pe- and there's no variation. You're like, I'm in hell.
0: You're—it's really a version of purgatory. And what's amazing right, is right. that you're talking to a mod because Douglas Adams was directly involved in the creation of of that game, and then. They Infocom liked that game so much and everybody was like, I guess, you know, there's that weird power gamer version of people out there who love the impossible shit. They Mm. made another game literally just called Bureaucracy that Douglas Adams Uh, wrote, which is just a game of that shit, of just, like, impossible, and, like, half of it is just waiting around and... I, that's what I never finished. Uh, if there's a listener out there, I'm gonna put, well, I'm gonna post walkthroughs for both of those. Actually, in the show notes, let's let's try to find them. Just, bite him. Oh just my for God. just for shits' sake, just for shits and giggles. Um, but yeah, no bureaucracy was nothing but the Babelfish thing over and over and over again. Um, yeah. Anyway, so yes, uh, that is true. I think a that lot of people great. came to uh, Infocom, and again, for maybe the people who are, just need a little context about Infocom, find an old geek and say the word Zork to them and then you'll probably be in the right place um yeah the game is a bit legendary that way uh for sure um so uh one of the things that i think is amazing about douglas adams as a creator and this ip in general is the other cool thing about this is that the radio programs depending on what year you buy the book what edition you get the books the radio scripts the TV, uh, what, we're, what Dom had mentioned already, which is a BBC miniseries, uh, what eventually becomes a movie as well, um, they're all slightly different. And it's not because of adaptation, right? Which, of course, one would expect. Uh, oh, and the game as well, of course. It's not just that. It's that Douglas Adams was completely restless about finishing this fucking thing. Like, he mm. was constantly revising it in not a George Lucas shitty kind of way. <clears throat> um Uh, He has constantly said, he's constantly been quoted as being like, yeah, no, I just, I, he just had so many different iterations of different bits and different ideas and different whatevers. And uh, actually the radio program was, was uh, made in conjunction with another gentleman, uh, at least the last couple of episodes were made in conjunction with another gentleman anyway. And uh, I think Douglas Adams pretty much spuriously sort of jettisons all of his, all of that (laughs) material from the book anyway, as sort of a step number one. But even if you get, like, (laughs) uh, Doug Adams is famous at having a foreword in one of of the American editions of Hitchhikers that, you know, the American edition of Hitchhikers is different, has different material than the English version of Hitchhikers. Um, So, and as it goes along, he just sort of relentlessly is able to, like, I don't know if he's killing his darlings or he's getting rid of shit he doesn't like. But uh, like I said, unlike George Lucas, who seemed incapable, again, sorry, personal opinion here. Sidebar, who seemed incapable of actually understanding what made his own material cool um, or groovy, uh, at least to the older generation yeah. that interacted yeah. with it. Douglas have never lost sight of what made Hitchhikers great, which was sort of the frumpy shabbiness of Arthur Dent, how much of a sad sack that motherfucker is. And the, f- wonderful, bl- and the wonderful blend of comedy uh, that comes from sort of the frustration and the... <laughs> And the ridiculousness of the situation. Um, I don't know, I guess. Does that make any sense? Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. And um, I'm
1: going to say real quick um, I, I don't stand with anything past the BBC miniseries, to my knowledge. I mean, I stand with the entire novel series. They made that movie uh, we, uh don't count i don't count that you don't count
0: the movie <laughs> i I'm, I'm i i happy do not count that, the movie i'm happy the movie exists I, we'll we'll leave that for issue then we'll 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 put the movie in there under issues and we'll get to that at the, we'll get to that there
1: yeah okay okay for sure. and um but yeah i i was i thought it was kind of i thought it was a function of um adapting to each genre and his actual understanding of each format of radio versus right t v versus Versus novel, and um, um, and I thought, um, I mean, the novels, the novels are the most most, are the most deeply felt to me, or the novels are are what I'm most down with.
0: Yeah, I understand that. I mean, and I think I think a lot of people would probably agree with that. I mean that there's something, there is something almost to me unreproducible about his prose um which and i'm going to contradict myself in, in a little bit about that for a sec in a second but um yeah. in a, in business, a, in a business version business. because they because again and this is, this is maybe it may a section for the issue too because they put out a posthumous well two posthumous books um mm. one the salmon of doubt which is whatever um which is more <laughs> like his which is literally the shit they took off his hard drive after he died uh-huh. uh and then there was this owen colfer book uh which I don't I'm know that one. blanking on now, and oh, it's called, and another thing, which I dutifully got from a library and read just because, mm-hmm. also deeply personal, this was after Jim Henson. This was the second death of a creator that uh. wrecked me, that uh. ruined me. Um, the day yeah. I distinctly remember, I still have goosebumps, distinctly remember the day waking up and walking into my kitchen before, uh... uh Whatever the fucking was school, I guess I was still in high school when he died. No, that's not. I that can't possibly be true because he died in two thousand two. I or do, I must can, have been. Do not recall. I was in my mother's kitchen. What the fuck? It must have been over Christmas or something. Um, and uh, and opening up the paper uh, and not having known that he had died, but the guy that wrote, uh, what is that fucking Fuzzy? The, the comic strip Fuzzy. If you guys know what that is? Is a stupid dog and a cat comic strip. But he suspended his strip and just had a picture of the Earth with the number forty-two on top of it. Mm. And I opened it up and I was like, and I'm still, I'm getting goosebumps right now. And I'm like, Why mm. is that there? And obviously, and I, mm. I'm, I'm, geek, I'm, I'm one of these Easter egg geeks. I love them. And I'm like, Okay, he's mm. referencing Douglas Adams. Oh my God, what the fuck happens? Right? Like it just, I just Except knew it immediately. And then I don't even remember what source I went to. All I remember is again exactly what's happening right now. My hair stood up on end. I got my eyes filled with tears and i found out that he had died from this heart attack um at 49 um and uh shit now i just got got so emotional i completely forgot where to go with
1: this. It's okay were, well you were just expressing the moment when douglas adams the actual person left the earth
0: yes but i was and doing that that was... in connection with what <laughs>
1: Fuzzy the comic. No, strip before with that, cats no. and dogs.
0: Cats and dogs. Fuzzy the comic series. Wow, I'm the worst. Well, one anyway, uh, yeah, it's, it's
1: Thursday. <laughs> I'm glad we're having this conversation on Thursday. Uh, I never yeah, could never quite get the, the hang, hang of, of Thursdays. Of
0: Thursdays. Uh, I'm yeah. just gonna
1: keep rambling like that until you until recall what back, your whatever. thread was.
0: I, I don't give a shit. All right, I, I just that uh, he's oh, okay. So yeah, right. His prose is unreproducible. Right. So the so anyway, so they put out this fucking book and another thing written by this guy named Owen Culver. <coughs> Um, may throw this, I'll get more thoughts on maybe this and issues, but, um, and he does, a, no no harm to Owen Colfer, I've never read any, Kohler or whatever the fuck his name is, I've never read any of his other books, um, and he almost gets it right, and that's almost what's most annoying about it, is like, he gets the sort of British sense, sensibility about it, but mm. like, just doesn't have the turn of phrase that that motherfucker mm. has, right, that Douglas Adams is gifted with these crazy little, just little tweaks to the language in the right place and time. The concept, one that I always will never forget, uh, is always, you know, the monkeys were so pleased with their digital watches, right? Like, that just as a thing is like, just sums him up perfectly. Like, it's just... Brilliant, right? Or that the the it wasn't the little pe- green pieces of paper that were overall generally unhappy, right? right. right? Like right. it's, fucking like, right. what uh, you know? <clears throat> and so that comes through, I think, very clear in the books because you just get prose of him. You get his brain dumped right yeah. on the ground, not synthesized through an actor interpretation of dialogue or even a narrator trying to interpret his lines.
1: Now, as far as you know, did it go radio show? TV series, books, or radio Ooh, show, yeah. books, TV series.
0: That way, that way, definitely went books first.
1: T- yeah, TV series was after after the
0: after box. the third, after so long, and thanks for all the fish. I think, I right. think, if I'm not, mistaken.
1: or maybe maybe it was just after the first two books.
0: I don't know. Let's that, get dates. Make, See what who's on dates. That would make more dates? sense. I
1: don't. I don't have my stuff. Gear. You don't have Look, your stuff. It's, it, it, it's not. It's not really that consequential to my point, right. except to say that.
0: Yeah.
1: Except to say that I think in the novels he started working stuff out exactly as you you wanted it you know because right. he's a artist um and uh so he got to really you know you just uh, absent the variables of other people and <laughs> other prediction concerns he right. gets he gets to write it exactly the way he wanted it. and that's one of the delicious things about novels that's what's nice about writing novels yeah. you know, as far as um and as far as you know, to the point of the uh, singularity of his prose—that's not really how you use the word singularity, but uh,
0: singularness.
1: Yeah, I think it's it, it, it's it's irre- it's irreproducible. But um, as a person who's mainly a writer, I gave you something to aspire to.
0: Oh man,
1: yeah, that was that was just nice. When I was introduced to those books at a very early age, it gave me a style to try for. Yeah, to, to, to you know to to break down and see how it's doing there because you know like you read some canonical works and you're like yeah fitzgerald awesome but do you actually want to write like him right. you know what i mean yeah. some people do yeah. i don't yeah um you just like it that that exists but then you're like oh i want to figure out how this guy writes and mm. by doing that you you better yourself just by mm. you know trying trying to break down with the masters and you know because it's comedy you know some comedy has certain like tricks you go he's always pulling out these lists it's you know, like the Star Trek list, A, B, and then, you know, the alien from Septom 4. Ah, mm-hmm. that, you know, lists are funny. And um, the melding of bar culture with alien <laughs> space culture is always funny. Always for funny. For some reason. Yes. Just the me. idea of, no a, you know, super drink. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I mean, I don't know what kind of a schedule um, you're on with discussing with Douglas Adams. Obviously, we do that for 17 hours. Yep. But I want to speak to so apart from uh the distinctive comedy skills right. I, I i we have to mention is the, the his work as a futurist too because he invented this thing that we're using right now
0: yeah <laughs>
1: Look, right we he when he was writing, there were not right iPhones. right there were not p d a s even right The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is this thing which is in your hand, and you look up anything that's ever happened in the universe. Right. And at the time, that didn't exist. That was a
0: crazy idea. Right. Yeah, yeah. he just made it up. Yeah, and it's a combination of an ebook. It's a combination of a Kindle and a fucking and a PDA. Yeah, and what's crazy is he's an early adapt. On top of it all, he's an early adapter of PDAs. I remember. Oh, totally. totally. um, Either I don't. I wasn't a big internet head when it first happened, but somehow he. I got to an article that I don't remember reading on a surf on an actual paper article. I read it. One. It might be one of the first things I ever read, quote unquote, online. Um, about him trying out an actual, basically what would have been a, a what were those early PDAs calls? They weren't Blackberries. What the fuck were those? I don't, know. I I don't remember what the company remember. was, but I remember him talking about, oh, I can sit in the bath and type, <laughs> right? That's it. Right, right, like, right. With my, and he had to say, I had, he had to, he had to figure out, he couldn't use his digits. He had to figure out to hold it and use his thumbs. And the first time I ever got my hands on a BlackBerry, the first fucking thing I thought about was like, nope, Douglas Adams says I should use my thumbs. (laughs)
1: Right. Right. So he's like – so he's not just a comedy writer. Some people unfairly dismiss him as, oh, that's just the jokey science fiction series. But in some ways, it's the most accurate futurist series we've got because it predicted much more than – I don't know, fucking ring world, (laughs) (laughs) something something we'd have in the future that we actually have and how it changed culture forever. And now we've actually got it. You know, that's pretty good futurism right there. Right. Absolutely. Pretty good.
0: Yeah. And he's not. Yeah. And that's the thing is because he was a futurist. He was always on the cutting edge. He was on the cutting edge of. Computer technology, you know, like or like or dismiss Apple for whatever it is or was. He was a super early adapter for that. He was.
1: Oh yeah, he loved he, his Apple.
0: <laughs> he was on CompuServe early in the day. You know, right. he was he was one of the first ones to try to crowdsource some. Uh, he tried to crowdsource the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I think it was called H two G two on oh Compu- it Was on right. CompuServe? It was like a liftserve or whatever that he right. put out. Um, and this was you know and this was this was in the 90s this wasn't in like fucking whatever like and this is a guy that was a you know this jokey science fiction writer was asked to speak at keynote con- keynote speeches at, at, techno- at technology conferences, and that's the other thing you can't also dismiss about him is that he has an activist side, particularly mm. involving conservation and particularly conservation of animals and in general environmentalism as well. Um, mm-hmm. He's got a couple of other books that maybe most people don't know about that I will freely admit I actually haven't read. Sort of the meaning of life and last chance to see. Um, Great. Excuse me. And last chance to see two, I believe, uh, which sort of details his journey traveling around the world, getting a chance right. to interact and literally see uh, these incredibly endangered species, like species uh, that are in like the the double digits left on the planet, um, and not big ones either. Um, eh.
1: But that thread is all through the original checker's books. Always, exactly. like, he's always the animals: the whale, the fish. <laughs> the fish. Just the metaphor of humans, you know, right. again, that can be eliminated by, like, ants by, right. you know.
0: And, it just, and just the idea that sentience sucks, right? Like, the, yeah. <laughs> like it's just, yeah, yeah. they're not nihilistic books in any way, shape, or form. He just is perfectly willing to admit how... The ridiculous, you know, I know like you said, in a sort of a Dadaist way, it's just there's no escaping the ridiculousness of consciousness. There's no es- escaping the ridiculousness of like getting a bunch of sentient people together and how fucking hard it is to just get along. Like, no, we've got to create mm-hmm. 18 forms that have to be signed in triplicate, lost, buried in Pete moss, and you know, and right. rediscovered. Um, right. and and you know, right, and that's one thing that he always was. And, I think, I think I think, any good comic is angry. I'm drawn to angry comics in general, Bill Hicks, George Carlin. And I think like any good comic, comic I think he's pissed off at the human condition a little bit, um, um, which is great because it's, and for, when someone's that pissed off and can then pu- really put their finger on it in such an interesting way um, that he does, and he is obsessed with sort of... <laughs> The bureaucratic systems of sent, uh, of sentient right, beings, right. Right. Um, right? And that's where an enormous amount of his comedy comes from. Um, right. Uh, but, we, you know, yeah. we
1: process the difficult things in life with uh, humor, and that's kind of like yeah. a very basic way to do it, and he did the shit out of that.
0: And he did the shit out of it, yeah. Um, uh, and in, a, in an interesting and original setting, right? The, science, the yeah. idea that that is going to be played out. Because <laughs> a lot of people think of science fiction as like, you know, you've either got sort of space opera, which is completely devoid of all that stuff, where it's just like, you know, right and wrong, fable stuff people get, in, and there's lasers and, and there's exciting and there's action, or there's sort of evil, hor- horrible dystopia where society is just all wrong. And you've got this little kind of tiny version of utopias, but we can talk about that some other time. But the fact that he just took it all and was like, "Nope, mm. future's just going to be like right. It is now. It's just going to be frust- It's going to be a fucking frustrating mess. Except yep. it's going to be <laughs> you're going to have you know aliens and pangalactic gargle gargle blasters and dudes named Z5 Beagle Beagle Brocks with two heads and three arms, and uh, it's all ridiculous. So fuck off. Um, you know it's great and wonderful. Um, and I'm going to go out on a limb here and say nobody's come close." To the only thing that I can think of, the only other property I can think of that even comes close to being that funny and that well executed in a science fiction comedy sort of sense, is Galaxy Quest. because i I've never <laughs> been able, but the, and that is only funny because of the context of Star Trek, to be completely honest, if Star Trek mm, didn't right. exist, Galaxy Quest wouldn't be half as funny or it wouldn't have been made period anyway. Like who else has followed in this footstep that steps that, like, uh, I remember trying to read like uh, there's a guy named um, uh, if you remember the Myth Adventures series by Robert Aspirin. He had some yeah. science fiction comedy stuff. There was a, a book called Fools Company, I think, and it just fell so flat in comparison mm. to yeah. Um, comparison to Hitchhikers, um, which is probably an unfair comparison. And Maybe if I hadn't read it, maybe it would have been better. <clears throat> oh my God, I just pulled out <laughs> Fool's Company by Robert Asper. Now I'm going to have to link that shit because none of you know what that is. Um, uh, I'm sure, I know, I just, stop yelling at your computer screens and your phones. I know you know what it is. You're all good geeks. Um, I apologize. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, like, I can't, can you think of anybody else that plays in sort of the science fiction comedy realm?
1: No, it's definitely a, a hole that's uh I can't think of how to fill it. Um, It's a delightful science fiction comedy that also has social issues, political commentary, futurists. It's not coming to the top of my brain, I don't think.
0: I don't know. Yeah, people, if you know, please go ahead and listen in the comments because I can't even think. Even in comics, I can't come up with anything. I mean there's Grant Morrison – has a little thing called yeah. the filth, but that's Graham Morrison is much more interested in being filthy in that on some level. But it's very funny; um, it's intentionally funny. But again, it's so bleak. Um, uh, and that's a comic series uh, that you can probably find, you can find in graphic novel form now. I'm just trying to think of anything else. I really well, can't. Well,
1: at at some point they buckled down and um, hated genre Crossing, right? Right in our lifetime. Yes. So. Things things like her checkers were always going to be on the hit list, uh, even though they were the best. So I, I'm sure I'm sure I've had I I'm, I've laughed more at a Louis K, C.K. special. Oh, sure. I've enjoyed the science fiction more, right? And um, well, I don't know something. <laughs> 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 I've enjoyed the science fiction as much in other properties. Sure. Never never at the same time in the same city. Right. Right. I'm pretty sure never.
0: Yeah, no, same here. Because
1: people hate genre crossing. God damn it. Right, a little it's, bit. Yeah.
0: yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about some anime, maybe something like a dirty pair or some bullshit, but even that is so crude, um, or at least the, the way it got translated into English. I don't know. Um, well, uh, yeah,
1: some anime, like, maybe yeah. in the area of Evangelion or the adaptation okay. of Cutie Honey. I don't know if any people like this. I mean, those those pieces are sublime, and they are funny and they do have science fiction space opera in them and they are completely japanese so i cannot right. speak to the subtleties of the the text
0: <laughs> right so
1: i'm right. not even going to try to say what like, was that second one i know to i've heard it. of
0: evangelion i don't know the other one what did you
1: say oh evangelion, evangelion. um evangelion. okay what was so the
0: second? what's the second what was the other one though you said two it's
1: things. the the live the live action adaptation of cutie honey Cutie Cutie Honey is, you know, not as uh, popular a series here in the States, but, you know, it's well known in Japan. And uh, the director of the Evangelion series directed the live action adaptation of Cutie Honey, which made it just like a lot. Speaking of elevated genre, um, it made it a lot more than it needed to be. Basically, Cutie Honey is a really cute android sort of skippy outfits right. hot girl type and she has some powers okay and people remember her affectionately you know japanese people she goes honey flash and changes into
0: superheroes gotcha
1: uh the theme song is good and okay. the live action a- the live action adaptation is just way funnier and more interesting than it has any need to be
0: oh, okay cool. so
1: that's so that's why i thought of that all right um
0: all right, So there's there's maybe something to steer people towards. Um, yes, yeah because other than that I, I just can't think of anything that merges it this there's no that's not right either all right no okay all right yep moving on from that I guess uh, but um, <clears throat> yeah because that's and that is just one of the things that makes him that makes him special This this that really talk about elevating the genre the uh, intersection of the science fiction, the humor, the social aspect of it, the the never afraid to go dark ever never ever afraid to yeah. go dark. Never afraid to, you know, it's like good, good peanuts, right? Good Charles M. Schultz peanuts. like Schultz was never afraid to like put that to put Charlie Brown through the the fucking ringer mm-hmm. because that's what makes mm-hmm. you associate with him because we've all been there. Um, mm-hmm. And Arthur Dent just relentlessly gets to be a sad sack. He gets to win once in a while. um but you know, just it's. <laughs> It's not gonna last for very long and he's gonna just right. be lost and out of out of out of his element uh in, in the very next time. Oh, you know what? okay. Lower hitting red dwarf kind of does some stuff. It's I think where it's yeah. Yeah, it's, it's got I'm some – I haven't watched enough to know, but uh, but sometimes it, it's very good. It punches super low on occasion, very low on occasion. Right. It's really ridiculously silly, and that's also getting a new season actually very soon I think actually. Um, yeah. But anyway, that was – I found that very funny. Um, although, yeah, no, it has no, no prediction of the future. No uh, – it's just – it punches super, super low um, and it right. doesn't – I mean – It doesn't elevate the genre at all outside of the fact that, hey, at least they were brave enough to put comedy and science fiction side by side. Um, Right. And throw in dick jokes, I guess. I guess that's (laughs) semi-brave. Yeah. Anywho. Um, But, uh, yeah. All right. So, uh, I guess let's – I think we're ready to move into our issues. Let's talk about some issues. So, I am interested in yours um, – stuff that you are uh, I'm interested in your feeling on the movie. Yeah, because you mentioned that you were not a fan. Oh um And sorry I'm talking not? about
1: the live action I yep. believe American based movie yeah, with absolutely. Soy Dashnell.
0: Yep.
1: Um Mo Mostef I believe was re- War
0: Prefects for and uh, so, Sam Rockwell as Zay Very
1: interesting collecting cat. I mean okay and uh not bearing the lead the movie was terrible. Okay. Backtracking okay. <laughs> Part part of the you know part of the thing of becoming a Hitchhiker's fan, I think most of us mm-hmm. would agree here in the states, is um, adapting to British humor style, uh, mm-hmm. certain ineffable things that are more in Britishisms than in mm-hmm. um, here. Uh, I thought the movie was a terribly good illustration of that not happening very well. Mm-hmm. The movie is. Uh, eclectic as hell, yes. Without really being truly interesting,
0: okay.
1: I thought Alan Rickman's performance <laughs> as Marvin really nicely illustrated the difference between um, miserable and depressing. <laughs> <laughs> if that makes any sense, <laughs> it's it's a very subtle thing of voice performance, but contrast. BBC old Marvin TV series with the movie. I'm not sure which goes. Listening to Alan Rickman as Marvin is just depressing. Okay. He just, uh, uh, maybe only depressive people will totally understand what I'm saying. Okay. It's just depressing. He just sounds like a guy who wants to kill himself and you don't want him in the room. The guy who did the old BBC series sounded like just miserable. But he wasn't depressing.
0: Okay. He was
1: the guy who just had a miserable outlook on life.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So it's the difference between, you know, uh, active and inactive or whatever, just paralyzing and non-paralyzing. Interesting. So little things like, uh, so, like, I couldn't take that, Marvin. I couldn't take it. Although I love Alan Rickman. God
0: rest. God rest. Um,
1: <laughs> uh, I think he was just going for a different coloring of it that... um. Mm-hmm. Oh god this movie's so wrong. I mean just and uh, it's just not funny in the same way. Mm. People are just not the the beats, the rhythm of it. Mm-hmm. It just would never translate. I mean it would have to be a BBC series again. It mm. just would it just terminally unable to translate into our good American movie idiom definitely. Sure. American feature film idiom, forget. <clears throat> Netflix okay. series, do it Netflix. That would be nice. Make That'd a new... Irish, Irish, yeah.
0: Okay, so I am going to... I'm going to be... We're, we're going to have a first major fight, Dom. I'm very excited about this. Right. Okay. All right. Now, okay. I'm going to... I'm not... Okay, first of all, I'm not... Uh, again, everybody stop yelling at your phones. Um, I'm not going to defend the movie. I don't love the movie. I don't love it. I. It's fine. However, when I... I find myself watching it more than I ever thought I would. Um, number one, I think it was because... It hit at the right time for me um, when I did my research on people oh. making it happen. The fact that his death sort of pushed it over the top and made it happen. I felt like the people who were trying were had their hearts in the right place, um, and it was. And I rarely do this, certainly anymore. But and I rarely did it back then either. Which is like I actually followed the production once it was announced and like whatever, and like was like, how does this happening? Because as any f- big fan of this IP knows, this this movie's pretty much been in and out of. Was in and out of development from nineteen eighty six or something like that. yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. and uh, famously, also, if you read up on Douglas, he's uh, uh, he he had something like eighty six different drafts on his computer from that time to when this movie finally got dropped, um, including apparently a script which I wish I could get my hands on, where the Vogons are the main characters. Um, which also, which sounds crazy, pants, and I don't even know why he took it in that direction at some point. But I really wish I could read that script. Um, uh, which also I think probably accounts for like the eclectic nature of this script because I think it's it was fu- it was put together later by whoever the writers, some Kirkpatrick person. Um, and I think it was an eclectic version of a bunch of these different scripts, and that's also why it feels crazy. I think, um, and I agree, it is super disjointed. It almost feels like it's, it feels much more like a TV show. If it would feel better in episode, episodes, um, I am not a. Fa- so I'll start off with what I'm not a fan of. I'm not a fan of Zoe Deschanel's performance in this. I'm Zoe Deschanel in general is fine for me. I think she's a fairly awful um, trillion, um, and I also think that character gets a weird short shrift in the, in in this in that version being sort of like trying to make her the Arthur Dent, what was great about the Arthur Dent Trillian relationship in the books and everything else is that Arthur Dent thinks he's in a trying to create a love triangle, but Trillian never seems to perceive that that way at Mm. all. Yes. yes. Um, so the fact that then Trillian, that's what that becomes about. And it becomes this sort of American movie love story thing just changes the tone exactly the way you said changes the tone in a pretty horrible way. Uh, that just doesn't work. I happen to be, I have a genetic problem. Sam Rockwell makes me happy. Uh, I don't okay. know why. Um, <laughs> um, it's And it feels like it's a gene problem. Because, like, I will watch Sam Rockwell in, in, like, a shitty fucking movie like Choke and actually be happy the whole time. I don't know why. But... Uh, that motherfucker just like does no wrong for me. I don't know why.
1: You're allowed to like the movie if you have a genetic problem. I mean, I mean what exactly. Can say right. to that.
0: <laughs> so Sam Rockwell saves it for me. Although again, I hate what they, they. Uh, I I really don't know why in this day and age they couldn't actually have a double-headed Sam Rockwell because I was really looking forward to that. And then sort of hiding the the head in his neck was dumb. But I love mm. his fucking delivery of Zaphod. Mm. I think his interpretation of Zaphod is brilliant. Not that Mark Wing Davy, who is portraying Zaphod in the BBC series, is also not brilliant because he's fucking great and the outfit in that is great. It's just the technology of the time with the head is, is so bad and they all know it and that's fine, but whatever, who cares? Um, and I love the fact that they brought back the, the book and Simon Jones reading the book for the, mm-hmm. the, the feature film, which is actually a, a through line that goes all the way back to the radio drama, uh, drama, the radio series. Um, uh, and then that they use the same similar animation style from what they used in the TV series. Uh, cause some of that stuff is some of the best stuff that plays in the movie as well. Mm. Um, Martin Freeman is Arthur Dent, I'm um, up and down on, um, just because, uh, What's his bucket, uh who plays him in the in the in the audio yeah. drama and in the um uh and in the the BBC version is so fucking good. Uh yeah. Simon Jones. Whoever that guy and is. And Arthur is it, is it? No, Arthur's his name and uh I can't remember what his name is. Anyway, he's great. And there was sort of a fervor about most deaf as Ford Prefect. I thought he actually acquitted himself pretty well. I was surprised. Um Oh yeah, that
1: was cool. That I was into that. Yeah.
0: It was cool and his interpretation was kind of great um and um I don't know particularly from him and Sam Rockwell I just felt like they were having so much fucking fun mm-hmm. and I really felt like I don't know if they were I don't know if Sam Rockwell was a fan but it really felt like Most Def was, a, was somehow I don't know why I, this is all in my fucking head right uh that he was just having a really good time and then this is also when I really <laughs> discovered Bill Nighy Bill, this is if everybody remembers this is 2005 I think when this movie comes out and Bill Nye, he appears in fucking everything all of a sudden, pretty much around this time. Um, and he's playing. Okay, sl- don't, he's playing. What was sl- he? He's playing Slarty Bartfast. Oh, he
1: was Slarty Bartfast. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, um, Bill Nye. Okay.
0: And he is so quintessentially British, and that's so great. Yeah. And his, since his scenes are with another Brit, with Martin Freeman, Yeah. that stuff feels very British to me. And that stuff yeah. feels like in the right rhythm and in the right tone and, and everything yeah. else. Um, and just the way. Fucking Bill Nye delivers a bunch of his lines are just. Instead, it didn't matter. Um, and like, and just, you know, he has that Bill Nye he lip was, cursing was he old, thing. Was he the old guy dude in uh, Love Actually too? Yes, of was course. He, yeah, he oh, okay, plays okay, the he plays right. the rock and roll guy right. in Love Actually. Right. Yeah. right, right, right. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, and the dad in Shaun of the Dead, and like he appears in everything around this time. This is where, at least, maybe uh, gets gets really on. Um, hollywood's radar around this so i love his interpretation of slurry bar fast as well um yeah i didn't like marvin either uh i love alan rickman i didn't really technically really i didn't really like the design of that one Uh, i was really glad i guess it's not a spoiler for this movie but there is for those that don't know there the old marvin does make an appearance in the movie the bbc marvin is in the movie uh find him uh enjoy that a little easter egg hunt but yes no it feels super disjointed and it it doesn't hold together and it's not great the only thing that happens though is every time i watch it one of the reasons i watch it is just for the ending and the stupid heart of gold they have the stupid joke where the the, the other end of the universe and the heart of gold goes across the screen and then the heart of gold turns into a bunch of different things and they engage the impossibility drive and then the ending scene it, the ending thing it turns into is a big thing of douglas adams face that sort of just sort of Oh, see, I, I didn't even remember that. You
1: sure. don't remember I that, mean, that, so yeah, yeah, that's, that's nice. because I've
0: seen it a bunch of times. Um, yeah,
1: I've seen it only like one and a half times. I am
0: such a sucker but... for this IP. I'm such a, a sucker for anything that Douglas Adams actually had his fucking hands on. That I'll, yeah. I'll take it, man. I have the DVD over there. I'll throw yeah. it in once in a while, um, just to give myself the things. No, I have the no, I have the BBC. Um, oh, I have a BBC TV series as well, of course.
1: I watch those a lot on repeat. I don't watch that movie. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, okay, yeah. But it's here, well, I want to add I want to add something. Um, please. Like the they should have done the movie of life the universe and everything. But that's something America could have done. Right. Cuz that is true. What most people are f- like uh, a lot of people are just familiar with the first two books, Hitchhiker's Guide at the Restaurant. Mm-hmm. of the universe because they sort of comprise the TV series, right? The right. BBC series. Right. And I would I would say that in the third, fourth, and fifth Hitchhiker's books, definitely, uh, I, I think there are signs of, uh, Adams gets a little more sentimental, mm-hmm. you know, he starts doing romance, and also just more conventional science fiction tropes. He's worked out these other things, he's, right. he's going for, um, you know, he's just go- going for all the, to try to hit all the buttons. Right. And so Life, Universe, and Everything, remember a more classic team goes up against alien threat. Right. This is true. Story and I think that's the one they should have made a movie of.
0: Yeah, mm. no, makes sense. It makes sense. Uh, yeah, just sort of do give a little give a little lip, do do a first act where the Vogons destroy the destroy the earth and then jump right into that. That's not a bad idea. Yeah, it's interesting.
1: Well, I mean I know I just good. you can't I, I I I don't think those first two books lend themselves to a feature film length narrative at all. Right out it's, it's never gonna uh, it will be a great streaming series someday. God willing. God
0: willing. But yes. Life of the Universe and everything I
1: think could be one movie or two movies. You know, I think it has a more mm-hmm. coherent A B C kind of Right. Here's some weirdos. Here's a weird
0: <laughs> A really weird. Here's a weird ret. ship
1: powered by a restaurant. And here's some psychotic robots.
0: Right. There you go. Great. And a, thing, fight, and a thing, you know? and a thing, and a thing, literally out with a vengeance, deada- in vendetta against the last human. Well, sort of the quote unquote last. human. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Right. An action scene. Basically, that was the most action packed one. Yeah, that's true. If I'm remembering correctly.
0: A little bit. Yeah. I mean, there's the there's just, <laughs> just spoilers for the books, but yeah, it's basically all of this is powered by Arthur Dent somehow <laughs> goes through. Because the other thing is a lot of people forget is there's there's a lot of time travel in this book because, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. because they keep going forward and backwards uh, d- with different spaceships and improbability drives and whatever. And like I said, Marvin ends up literally being three times as old as the universe because he gets shafted so many times. Um, uh, somehow Arthur Dent is moving through the universe and has accidentally or maybe in terms of fate has been pinned on murdering this one creature that keeps reincarnating itself only to be killed by Arthur Dent over and over and over and over right. and over again. Um because *Arts of Dead also is, is is like half as old as the universe by the end of the books, um, and so this creature gets gets obviously wants that to stop, and somehow eventually becomes sentient and realizes he's being murdered by this one <laughs> this one creature that keeps moving through the universe, to the point where it builds like a shrine, this giant enormous statue of a multi-armed Shiva of death, Arthur Dent, illustrating the different ways that he murders this creature, either as a fly or a book. And it's uh, it's fucking so funny, and it's so right.
1: brilliant. And a delightful joke on religion, remember? like, exactly. Yes, kids, reincarnation is real, except you're going to be killed by the same dude every single time.
0: And it seems to not be real for anyone else but this one fucking poor thing.
1: Right, right, so this one soul, this one poor soul, literally. <laughs> And your your chance of achieving higher consciousness is realizing that the same dude is killing you every single time. <laughs>
0: murdering you every time. Unconsciously it's... murdering. And that's the other best. That's the insult. Right, right, right. By it. accident. By accident. <laughs> just that the dude doesn't even know he's doing it. Ah, oh, it's so yeah. funny. Because sometimes he does it on purpose. Like he's a housefly and yeah. he murders him one time as a housefly. Yeah. Oh, so fucking funny. Um, And just – and that's what you miss, like the construction. Yeah. Adam's construction I mean I want to I don't want to over skip over uh Adam's atheism at all because uh, that was also central tenant to my uh right. to my life and I, I realized I accidentally right. let slip God rest his soul for Alan Rickman and I don't want anyone to take me fucking right. seriously um especially in the context of a podcast with a man who was who was described himself as a quote-unquote radical atheist and was the first him and George Carlin were probably the first couple of people that um you know twigged me to that. I was raised Roman Catholic. Um, I'm not saying mm. I, I'm an atheist because of Douglas Adams and George Carlin, but, like, these were people who were influential influential in my life in terms of thinking in different ways anyway, and that was part of the stuff that came along with them. If They paid attention. Um, and, uh, yeah, and I think that sensibility and that sense of humor is exactly right, is there's... there's a little, it's, it's all through it's all through the books like it's a way to deal with an uncaring universe through the humor um for sure uh absolutely for sure uh but uh yeah and we'd also be remiss to sort of really quickly try to sort of touch on if you've missed the dirk gently stuff um i I, like i think i don't know what the i don't know what the zeitgeist current zeitgeist is but i mean for a while the current the, the zeitgeist was like the sec, you know, Dirk Gently is a two two book, two series, two series, not really series, whatever. It's, he wrote two books um, with the same main character, I guess you could say. Uh, the first one being Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency, and the second one being The Long Dark Tea Time of the Soul. I find The Long Dark Tea Time of the Soul vastly superior um, to uh, Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency. Uh, I think it just holds it together better. Um, he even admitted that Dirk Gently sort of came out of a, what he originally was writing a new another Hitchhiker's book and discovered this new character, um, and it feels that way to me a bit. Um, I still find it very funny and it's great. Um, uh, but I and they're making
1: a TV series of it. Make, that's, that's the co- The yeah. second
0: they're making the second TV series of it actually. Uh, which oh, really? I Yeah, there was one beforehand, which I actually just watched last year. Um, um, uh, but yes, now they're making a they're making a, a, a okay. series with uh elijah wood uh in it and it's fucking being made by max landis the son of um john landis uh if you're a horror movie fan uh i mm. know that the director of american werewolf in london's son is doing it um so that's interesting um whatever um and i think that's john, probably
1: how he got that job
0: yeah well he's he's got max landis has mm. got a long history now um of of yeah. stuff but um and uh, some of it I like, and some of it I like less. But uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, I'm I'm a cur- I'm somewhat optimistic. Uh, that first Dirk Gently book is hard to adapt as well. It's super episodic. Um, it's got a. I'm slightly spoilers. It's got the best use of a time machine ever um, mm, yeah. in it um, for yeah. sure. <laughs> the revelation <sighs> about how it's used is insane and wonderful and uh what's funny is in the first bbc version of the dirk gently stuff they sort of just used that as like the first like couple of episodes because it was only like six episodes long um and then they Mm. made up a bunch of shit for the other episodes and they they just totally didn't use it right um it was it was disappointing um uh but anyway uh so i'm anxious to see okay i
1: I know i've read both of them i don't remember what happens in long dark tea time of soul at all
0: really can you uh, summa-
1: Can you just summarize the major points okay. so I can. Some,
0: the major points of that is that Thor shows up on our. Thor, right.
1: <laughs> right, right, Thor. Okay, okay, okay.
0: And not the happy Marvel Comics version of Thor, yeah. but the like angry, right. blundering, constantly <clears throat> having an erection Thor yeah. from the okay. Norse myths who gets mixed up I- with a um, with a. Uh, a woman yeah there's an act of yes this is a thing that happens at Heathrow that they call an act of god but and Dirk Gently's the only one that's asking the All question right. which god um oh, and then right. and, and Thor shows up and uh I think it's very funny uh or at least I remember it being very funny obviously I'm not doing a great job of sort of summarizing everything that goes down but um anyway um yeah it's, it's, well see it's
1: got Thor in it he was writing about Thor too before any of this shit happened. So <laughs> that's all you need to know.
0: He's awesome. Um, so that's great. Right, uh, great. Like we said, we sort of just definitely can't talk much about uh, Meeting of lift and, and Last Chance to See, but that stuff is all wrapped up in his, uh, his activism work. And if you're interested in that stuff, I'd, I'd recommend it. There's also a couple of uh, really good... Uh, um speeches online of him talking about that that kind of stuff um uh and i'll link to some of that stuff on youtube uh that are that's totally available for free on youtube um where he's talking about some of his animal rights activism and some of his keynote speeches about technology and all of that good garbage um uh yeah cool i think we're moving into the final thoughts man uh when when, what else you got what's your final wrap-up thoughts on mr Adams and Hitchhikers? final
1: thoughts on mr Adams um uh, I was gonna point out how you know we're both struggling with our earpieces today and a little screw you guys to Apple for freaking you still <laughs> still enjoy the headphones with the cords okay um, but that said um, you know those new bluetooth earbuds uh how long before we have the babel fish version of those <laughs> yeah
0: that would be that's nice.
1: another thing that ooh, ooh. adam's kind of
0: there's actually a babel fish thing for your ear the translating got have you seen the little thing The oh, okay. a translator earbud thing um yeah that exists um i have no idea how good oh, it is okay. uh there is a translator earbud that is out And floating around my Facebook page for whatever some stupid reason. Um, And it has no
1: cord, right? And it has no cord. No cord, cord, which is the whole point of this, to not have cords ever. Anyway, that's all. I don't know. Douglas Adams came up with everything. Okay, that's my final thought. Yes. He came up with smartphones. He came up with Google. He came up with everything.
0: Yes, he did. Um, Great. Uh, My final thought is he's just, he's unbelievably influential to me and to my sense of humor and to what I think is. yeah, he's 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 on a he's on a certain train of of British humor that you know, along with Monty Python and um, Red Dwarf, and uh, um, you know, to some extent, Benny Hill, um, and all of these other things that uh, were coming over the weird PBS Wire man at uh, late at night on Saturdays and Sundays. Uh, I think for a lot of us, um, and uh, it just became absolutely seminal to. Uh, to my perception of what is what is good comedy, what is smart being, what does it mean to be smart um, in a time where I was in a household that had literally a Commodore 64 until I was a sophomore in high school um, <clears throat> in the age of the IBM clone uh, I was able to at least look at one of my heroes and be like well he thinks technology is cool maybe I should think technology is cool as well um, and really be like you said a futurist what that, and what that really meant and um, yeah, just uh, just great. Can't hide, can't recommend his stuff highly enough um, in any form um, outside of the, maybe the posthumous stuff that other people are writing in his name. Um, maybe skip that shit. Um, and Dom really really wants you to skip the movie. Um, I again having a genetic Sam Rockwell problem. Um, feel differently, but I, it's, we discovered it's a gene problem, so that's all right. Um, but uh, yeah, all right. So our final, um, our final little segment we always do is uh, we let you guys know um, what we are working on. Again, Dom and I are very happy to uh, be here in podcast land, and uh, and thank you for listening or watching to us. Uh, and obviously, we are well, not obviously, but we are uh, content creators in our own right. We always want to let you know what else we are working on. <coughs> so uh, yeah, Dom, what's going on in your what's going on in your world right now?
1: Um, well, things are maintaining. Um, I'm still writing at Yum Yum F and uh, I'm doing cosplay karaoke on my uh, YouTube channel. And I just did a video of Spider Gwen and Gwen Stefani singing. Spider Gwen and Gwen Stacy slash Gwen Stefani singing Just a Girl. <laughs> and I think that one came out pretty good. So try to find Just a Girl by Spider Gwen on YouTube somewhere. And uh, I I did that. And I think it's cute. And also, uh, oddly, there's a Gwen Stefani concert this week. And it was Gwen Stefani's birthday. So it's basically all But since we're talking about this thing, I'll also take uh, the the to say I'm, I'm uh, also writing a novella, a science fiction, comedic, romantic novella, which
0: ah, cool.
1: in its best possible scenario will be just a little bit like a Douglas Adams thing.
0: Nice, dude. Oh, <laughs> that's just... great. Cool. Yeah, definitely keep us up to date on that. Love to, yeah, hopefully we can give it out to people. Um, that's awesome. Good. Didn't know you were a prose writer. See, we learn things about each other exciting um cool uh yeah i'm on the dead literally dead in the middle of the social media push not just for the podcast but for uh the movie that i keep teasing you guys and i'm working on yeah. called joanne which is awesome so that's really the main thing i'm learning about and doing this week is this crazy cross-platform social media twitter facebook instagram push to let people know the that the movie's coming um well that the movie exists is going to exist sorry we again we shoot in january here in brussels um <clears throat> and it's an elevated genre film, and that's cool, and you can find that. I'll put links to where you can find it, but if you, you guys if you guys like us here at Elevating the Genre, hopefully you'd like uh, Joanne the Movie over at Facebook and Twitter. Um, and for those that really maybe don't realize the state of our being an artist these days, it really is, if you're not in a studio system or if you're not in some kind of already super successful in whatever you're doing, you have to be a huckster. You have to, like, I. Domini- can't tell you how much we appreciate just click in the stupid like button just click in the, if you leave a review on anything um it's not just that we like it it means something to our careers and i know it sounds absolutely fucking absurd to to normal people and i'm glad most people don't have to worry about this stuff <laughs> but it 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 means something and it's uh and it not only does it mean something to us but uh, we're in a world now where artists are being asked how many likes do you have does this thing have a thing it's a quantifiable thing for the business end of the artistic world. Um, so please do know just moving through your life, you know, if you have artist friends or you just really appreciate whatever artist, whoever it is, when you hit that like button, you are actually uh, assisting uh, the career of that person. Um, yeah.
1: So absolutely yeah. seconding that very strongly. Yeah. Comment, if- like, subscribe or subscribe, like comment, whatever you already do. We, okay. w- we will love you. Yeah. It really matters. It helps us.
0: Absolutely. If yeah. you want to help
1: us, Comment, like, subscribe.
0: Comment, like, subscribe, baby. Um, <clears throat> awesome. So again, yep, and do that for us here, at elevating the genre. However you, however you do that, Either you can subscribe to the YouTube channel. You can uh, subscribe to the the thing on uh, thing of a bobber on iTunes. And if you leave a review on iTunes, it also sort of pushes us up and helps helps other people find us, which is great. Uh, also for my Joanne the movie, and also for cosplay karaoke uh, and all that good stuff. So cool. Um. That's it for yeah. us this week, um, yeah. Dom and Just I, really quick, I want to say uh,
1: it's great to hear these teasing elements about your movie. It's just Thank great you. to hear a little bit more about it now.
0: <laughs> yes, now that it's a thing, we and, can talk um, about it a little bit more.
1: Sounds good stuff, right? Totally.
0: Appreciate it. Um, yeah, great. Uh, Dom and I completely failed, I, or I failed again as a host to com- discuss with Dom about what we we're going to talk about next week, so I, I don't, <laughs> we don't know what that's going to be. I'm sorry. Could be
1: it. Any number of Could things.
0: Any number of things, but it will be cool. It will be geeky. It will be smart, I promise, and we'll try to be smart. We are elevating the genre. I'm Christopher. I'm Dominic. Sweet, and we will see you guys next time. Ciao. Okay, bye. Bye.
1: <laughs> no, you're bringing back to gear, Babel Fish, All. It's all related. That's what I'm saying.